0: Hey, hey! Welcome back to Bullpen Sessions. My name is Andy Neary. Each week, I sit down with abundant thinkers who are kicking ass in life. And we deconstruct the formulas they have used to have success in business and in life to help you unpack your life, your business so you can do the same. So, put a smile on, grab a pen and a paper, get ready to take a ton of notes because you, my friend, are about to go on a wild ride. Here we go. Hey, hey, welcome back to Bullpen Sessions. This week, I sit down with Brett Lauren. Brett is a former Major League Baseball player, uh, and I wanted to have Brett on because I feel like our stories are are really aligned. Brett spent uh, seven, eight years in the minor leagues, uh, making it all the way to AAA, just one phone call away from getting that famous call up, but he didn't quite get there. So we talk about Brett's rise uh, through the ranks of high school baseball, playing college ball, two storied programs, uh, not just one. And then what it was like to get drafted, to get traded a couple times. And so all things sports and the mindset shifts you have to make as an athlete when the unexpected happens or the results don't go the way you want them to. And so Brett's story is is a lot like mine, but a lot different. One, Brett's six foot seven. So as a pitcher, he was the kind of guy i hated being a 5 foot 9 pitcher but brett brett had all the talent in the world all the ability in the world and he leveraged it to its fullest to make to get to where he got now his baseball story didn't last forever his career didn't last forever now brett has found success one in the world of franchi- franchising and also now in sales so throughout this episode brett and i talk about you know, what it was like to play baseball at the highest level, what minor league baseball was like, a lot of the, the stories people don't talk about or know about, and also the business side of playing professional sports, right? It's, it's a hobby up until you make it to that point, it's, uh, but the, once you get to the pro level, there's definitely business side of it, and then we talk about the most important thing, in my opinion, the transition you know, when when the sports career is over, that chapter closes, what's next? How do you transition for like, like Brett, for for like it is for so many, it was rough, it wasn't easy. But we talk about how he has a transition, the lessons he's learned from baseball and how he applies them to how he applied them to his franchise business, and how he applies them today in sales. So I'm excited to bring Brett to you. It's a very valuable episode. If you're a young athlete, if you're a parent with an athlete, or hey, if you're in business right now, and you want to Uh, apply a lot of the mindset athletes take to the game whatever sport they're playing and how you can apply it to business this is a great episode for you so grab a pen grab a piece of paper take a lot of notes you're gonna like brett and this is uh, this this podcast has a lot of valuable nuggets all right let's dive into this week's episode shift your mindset all right brett lauren hey man welcome to a bullpen sessions i appreciate it
1: thank you for having me on Andy.
0: I love having pitchers on because we get to legitimately talk about our past in bull. you know what it was like to to go and complete every week ever every bullpen session right Yeah uh and and as you said so beautifully off the off the show to me bullpens were also where a lot of weird stuff happened during the games people nev- no fans never saw um and I have to agree with that. I was a start. I'm sure like you, a starting pitcher probably in high school and college, and then you get to pro ball and you're in the bullpen. It's like, wow, there's a lot of things that go on in the bullpen. People don't realize.
1: <laughs> there's a lot of interesting conversations. You learn a lot about people, you know, so.
0: Exactly. So, well, let's start Let's start uh, level setting before the Brett Lauren who had the opportunity to play some professional baseball. Uh, let's go back to Brett growing up in Laguna Nigal, California. Again, jealous of you as, a, as an upper Midwest kid having the chance to play grow up playing baseball in sunny california um what was life like for you as a kid on the baseball field
1: uh it was great you know i also i'm a huge basketball guy too so i played both basketball and baseball pretty much my whole life those are the two sports that i really focused on um but yeah baseball i started at a young age t-ball just like you know most of us that that were really into baseball and um i think i'm happy i didn't play year round baseball i might have gotten burnt out honestly with it but I think having the balance of both basketball and baseball was good for me. It was like, oh, okay, now it's this season. Now I can come in and focus on that. So I think that was good. Also probably saved my arm too. You know, the kids nowadays are playing travel ball and they're playing more games than minor leaguers are. So their arms are already falling off. So, um, But it was a good balance for me um, just playing multiple sports. I even played soccer when I was a kid. Just a little bit of everything, but just to get good mobility and range of motion and, you know, learning how to be athletic, I guess. So, um, But, yeah, I pretty much played everything
0: that's a great actually i want to go there right away with a sure. question because you brought something up really important you know for those who who don't know brett he stands six seven uh so therefore makes it obvious the basketball was in the equation and i won't lie brett as a former pitcher i hated guys like you who stood six foot seven because i was all five foot nine um i know it's unfair. what, would you, what <laughs> would you say to a uh we call that leverage you had the yes. height and the leverage yes. um what would you say to parents today? Because I agree with you. When we grew up, it was all about playing multiple sports, right? The people that you saw most that were probably valued the most in high school were the multi-sport athletes. And that's not really the same case today. I feel like parents are just so into specialization. What would advi- what advice would you give to parents today with kids that are coming up through little leagues in high school when it comes I to think, playing sports?
1: Yeah, you, I think you should play at least a few until you're, you know, 12 13 years old and then you really start to figure out what you want to do but even i played both in high school too basketball and baseball and i i only got really not pressured ever but like obviously selfishly the coaches want you there year round to just work with the team and work with your teammates and you know just be involved in only that sport but i chose to play them both all four years of high school but for before you're in high school you should play everything and then really figure it out because you don't even really know what you like and don't like yet if you haven't tried other sports plus like I said body wise you're using different muscles as they say in different sports you're learning how to be athletic in different ways you know for instance basketball it's a lot of jumping and quick agility movements so you learn to have those quick twitch or even football but in ba- and you're not throwing anything in basketball so in baseball you learn how to throw and you know hand-eye coordination little stuff like that so I think playing multiple things gives you, makes you a complete athlete. So I would say play them all until you really figure out what you like.
0: That's a good point. You know, um, it just, it made me think about too, you being able to play sports year round in California, like one advantage, baseball, outdoor sport. You can play that all 12 months outside in California. Being a kid growing up in Wisconsin, that was one thing, you know, come November to December, January, February. The only chance you have of playing baseball outside is if you really want to bundle up, and throw snowballs, not a baseball. And so, um, there's definitely advantages to that. Now, did you being, you know, a basketball player standing six foot seven, did you have yeah. an opportunity to play college basketball?
1: I had a couple like a D2 offer and some junior colleges. Um, UC San Diego was one but okay. it's a UC didn't have the SAT scores that they wanted. Plus, I really didn't want to honestly commit to basketball. I, I, I love the sport. I just made a business decision when, and went with baseball because then my thought was, okay, I could play four years at a D2 and then, and then that's it for my sports career. But I really saw something in baseball. I was like, you know what, I got a chance to make it. I'm tall, like you're saying, I, I got some leverage here, I can grow into my body a little bit. So I just chose to go the baseball route. And it was a, it was the right decision overall.
0: You know, and I wanted to ask you that, like that, was there a moment, I think, like parents, for example, is to go back to the conversation of parents, and young athletes, where they, they feel like playing travel ball, and all that stuff, no matter how talented their kid is, is what's going to get them to be able to play college baseball and what's after that, right? If I pay enough money, my kid will move on. Was there a moment for you in high school where you realized like, okay, I have a legit chance to play at at a minimum at the next level in college?
1: I think not until, I always thought I would play college. It was just like, yeah, that's probably what I'm going to do. But I didn't know until really my senior year when I really like became who I was. And, you know, I didn't, For being really tall, I hadn't grown into my body yet. I wasn't that, you know, I I didn't throw that hard yet, you know. So um, I I wasn't getting a ton of offers, but I got some looks from, like, some East Coast schools and smaller schools. Um, And honestly, I was a recruited walk-on at at Arizona, at at U of A. I, I didn't even you know I, I was k- kind of on their radar but you know I used to send pitching videos of myself to schools to like hey you know I don't know if you haven't seen me yet or whatever and I was playing some travel ball and I had some you know I was getting lessons for pitching and stuff like that so I was definitely into it and trying to get recruited but I wasn't like a, a highly recruited guy.
0: Yeah no, so a, a again I think our stories align besides the fact we're, we're nowhere near each other's height. Um, I only had one D2 offer going into my senior year. And it wasn't until playoffs of my senior year that I I was afforded the opportunity to to get a division one scholarship. So I hear you, man. Let's talk about the college career because you actually had a two-part career in college with two, let's call it 2 storied programs, right? Yeah. So when you got to Arizona, U of A, uh, for the first part of your college career, what was that like? So I think a lot of guys struggle. They come from high school. We were all hometown heroes. And now you're coming to a team where, guess what? We were all All all-state players. Was that a big transition for you?
1: I think just the first, honestly, the first semester, like it was just, you know, you're at a huge school that you're on your own for the first time. I think maturity wise, that was like a big, just an adjustment for me. You know, you're not at home anymore. So I think the first semester of college was, and you come home for like winter break and you go back and then you're like, all right, I know what to expect now. But yeah, everyone's really good. Um, and I actually had a red shirt my first year, maybe maturity might like, maybe I hadn't, I was a late bloomer, you know? So I think they saw something in me, but maybe I wasn't ready to contribute yet. Plus, as you know, the politics side of baseball, I wasn't on scholarship. So they're not going to make me the dude right away just because they didn't invest in me, you know? So, um, there was a little bit of that going on, but maybe I wasn't ready to contribute yet. Um, but yeah, I think the first year, I, yeah, that's why, honestly, that's why I tell most high school players, unless you get drafted really high and the money is, something you can't refuse. I think everyone should go to college and learn to grow and mature because those three years, assuming you get drafted your junior year, you're, if you're good enough, you'll get drafted again. So, I, I like the maturity aspect before you go to pro ball. So
0: That's such good advice because I'll tell you back when I was in college in the late 90s, I would tell you the emphasis was on high school athletes. For drafts, the, the baseball draft, because they saw that as raw talent. I figure that that's I think that's shifted a lot now. A lot more focus in the draft is put on college kids because of that maturity, that game readiness. Um, and so for you and, and I go back when I was playing in the Brewers organization, Brett, I remember some guys that signed in the 40th plus round out of high school. I'm like,
1: who's advising that kid? You know, like why? who's why? In, Yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> the money was not part of it, for sure. No. Right. And and they usually call those, we call them what the draft and follow. Those are the guys that are going to sign with some college team and then get followed and maybe get redrafted again by their junior year, like you said. So, you eventually, I'm guessing, did you earn a scholarship at U of A? No. I, no. You, you didn't. I never okay. So, you stayed redshirt. Yeah. Okay. So, you spent the first couple of years at Arizona, down in Tucson but then you made a decision to transfer to Long Beach State, another storied program in college baseball. What uh, what drove that that decision and why Long Beach State?
1: Uh, a couple of reasons. You know, I read short to my first year. My second year, I only threw nine <laughs> innings total. So, I got two years of, of, at U of A with nine innings. It's just like, clearly the writing was on the wall. Everybody's coming back. Like, I'm not going to pitch. Like, how am I going to get drafted if I don't pitch? So, I could, yeah could I have stayed all four years and been a college kid and had fun and barely played no exposure for for pro Scouts yeah I could have done that but it was I had a goal after my sophomore year I'm like I need a pitch I need a, I need to I need playing time so um, and I guess Long Beach State was not that I had to come home um, and look I was taking a gamble like I've told this to people before like I'm going from one big program to another who all you know has the same situation why am I gonna fit there? Well, I threw—I had a, threw a couple of bullpens in that offseason, the 07 summer, and um, just for a couple of different schools. Cal State Fullerton was one of them. I was going back and forth with a couple other schools, um, but Long Beach showed interest, and I, you know, I just was like, "Look, I'm looking to transfer, and you know, do you have a spot for me?" And they—they they couldn't even tell me what my role was going to be. But I just—I needed to make a move of some sort just to see if I could get some more exposure. The other random fact is. That was the last summer you could transfer D1 to D1 without sitting out a, a season. So I had to do it in 07. Timing
0: summer. is everything. Yeah, I <laughs> had to.
1: So unless you go down a level right, D2 or D3 or j- back to junior college, then you can play right away. Um, but yeah, it was a lot of timing. And it was just I needed I needed to get seen. And there was no way I was going to get seen at, at U of A. So nothing against a school or whatever. They had their guys. Mm-hmm. And um, I, it, it was a turning point in my career. So I'm glad I did it.
0: Well, it's again the alignment here between you and I is there because I between my second and third year I didn't transfer, but i I almost quit because the first two years at, at UW Milwaukee where I played were I was terrible statistically. Uh, the program wasn't what it is today and uh, for me that moment between the second and third year was I was named one of the captains and I that made me really get laser focused and bring back okay my team trusts me so I need to start trusting myself and my abilities and for you that move to Long Beach State probably gave you that clarity of like okay new chapter new chance here we go.
1: Yeah totally and I know you wanted me to touch on like for the mindset of college kids like just because you pick a school it doesn't mean that's where you're you're gonna end up like it's okay You, you That is a learning experience and maybe it's not the best fit for you. But if you're there for two years and you evaluate where you are in the program and you're not getting the signals from the coaching staff there that you're going to be a guy, then you got to you got to make a move. If that's really what you're going for, you know, like I said, you could stay there and enjoy your four years and, you know, do all the party stuff and have fun and go to school. But if your goal is to get exposure, you got to go play somewhere where you're going to get seen.
0: You know, Brett, that's a really good point because it's a fine line because I do think some kids transfer very quickly these days. You know, Sometimes, you're, you're yeah. a five-star recruit, especially in the football, college football, and you get beat out and all of a sudden you're gone And right. versus out. Why don't you just beat out the person ahead of you? But to your point, I also see a lot of college athletes go to a school because of its name and then they sit for four years. Yeah. Go where you're going to play. Right. And so, okay, now you're at Long Beach State. Again, another story program. I think of guys like Jason Giambi, uh, Troy Tulowitzki, you know, all those guys. Um, when did you realize you had a shot at the next level? Because again, let's not forget what you just said about Arizona nine innings yeah. in two years. Most yeah. people think, okay, Brett's not playing baseball after after college. Where when did you realize, like, okay, I have a legit shot at the next level?
1: I had to find out. Uh, you know, that was well, that's why I'm, I made the move. Um, I think in the fall of that, that first year, 07, 08 year in the fall, I, I was competing for a, a spot, like maybe the, you know, they had the Friday, Saturday, Sunday rotation in college. I thought I was maybe going to be the Sunday starter. Um, but I started the year as a middle reliever. And then it's amazing how much can change from the beginning of the season to the end. So I go through, now I'm like your midweek Tuesday, Wednesday guy, started pitching better. You know, I didn't do great in the beginning, but then I really just turned it on as the season went on. And then I became – you know, we had a lot of guys. We had like 13 guys drafted in the first five rounds. We, it was a loaded program that year in 08 uh, at Long Beach, and I was one Wait, of them. Say I that think
0: again. Think, How many?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think we had 13 guys in the first seven rounds, or so. it was something crazy. Okay, yeah. can
0: let's let's repeat now. How many yeah. guys are on a college baseball roster? Uh, I think 25, 30, 30. Yeah, <laughs> half yeah. of your team went yeah. in the seventh top seven. That, that's yeah. insane. Okay, yeah, keep no, going. We, Sorry, we were loaded
1: again. <laughs> a gamble by me to go to such a loaded program. Yeah. So. Um, But by the end of the year, we were our team was doing great. We won the Big West Conference and we hosted a regional and I'm the Saturday guy. I'm pitching against Cal in the playoffs. So it just was a progression of the better I pitched. I pitched in multiple roles that year. And the better I pitched, it felt like, you know, my draft stock. I started hearing a little more buzz about me from, you know, scouts and whatnot and asking more questions. And so by the end of the season, you know, in June before the draft, I was, you know, considered somewhere in the fourth through seventh round range. I ended up going in the fifth, but I mean, it I went from largely unknown to now I'm a dude at the end of the year. So it's a lot, That's, a lot can change.
0: The, how did you handle that? It's a really cause you would have been what, 20, 21 years old. Twenty-one, yeah. Um how did you handle that mentally? Because you went from literally knowing nobody knows you, right? You show up yeah. at Long Beach State. You're a new guy trying to prove yourself. You get a one one chance here, one chance here, one, and all of a sudden, by the end of the year, you're almost, uh, in a way, the guy saying, "Hey, this guy's going somewhere in the top ten for rounds for sure." Yeah how how did you handle that mentally? Because that's a big shift.
1: It is a big shift. I think you always have to be realistic about like in baseball, you like your stuff, right? Like just I I knew my stuff can get hitters out. And I think knowing that, like I was saying, even in the fall, it's, you don't really, most people don't really talk about that, but I'm getting the guys out that are on our team. Like I I had good enough stuff and I just needed some mechanical tweaking. Honestly, I didn't get a lot of that at U of A. There wasn't an emphasis, like the head coach was the pitching coach for the most part. So once I got to Long Beach, I got, I finally got some real pitching instruction and it was all baseball all the time and i finally learned how to use my body and my leverage you know speaking of at my size i just hadn't been coached enough that way i hadn't gotten the instruction yet from somebody at that level and once i did and i started to really refine my delivery and my mechanics and i started seeing the stuff play out against our hitters even in the fall and then once i got to the season i was like all right i can pitch at this level i think Obviously you have to have success to start seeing the results and believing in yourself. But even like, even if you get hit around a little bit, you can still see like, all right, my stuff plays at this level. So I think you just have to evaluate where you really are and then let your talent work itself out.
0: So right right there, I want to I want you to throw out some advice. Whether it's a young athlete listening or a parent who's got a young athlete, sure. I think one thing baseball players, especially pitchers, especially at the college level, deal with is back in high school. You probably remember facing a team in high school, and yeah, you had to worry about the third or fourth hitter in the lineup. But seven through eight, just throw your fastballs, you'll be fine, right? Right. We well, get to college, and one through nine is 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 all state. Very good. Yeah. And I think whether it's baseball, basketball, tennis, softball, I don't care. That realization that holy crap everybody on this team and that everybody I'm playing against is really good. What advice would you give an college athlete at that point of of to help them continue to elevate in, in their skill and talent in college? Now that everybody else is just as good as them.
1: Yeah, for sure. You have to really determine. You know, are you working hard enough? Are you doing like all the little stuff too? Not just on the field, but off the field. Like, are you, for lack of a better term, being an idiot off the field? Like it, that kind of stuff. You know, obviously you have to enjoy yourself, but where, what are your priorities? You know, Are you wanting to get better? Because there's a lot of that too. So I would say you're, the game will tell you if you're good enough or not. If you can't get anybody out, either you gotta change something, whether it's mechanical or add another pitch or learn a different, maybe drop your arm angle, like find a way to compete Within your ability, you know, so I think yeah. the game will tell you if you need to get better or not. Or, hey, I, I'm getting a lot of guys out right now. I, I need to stick with what I'm doing too. You know, there's all this. How do you handle failure? But how do you handle success too? Are, are you doing well and you get complacent? Because as you know, with baseball, it's a game of failure. You'll get your ass kicked at some point, like you just will. So, it's a you have to stay even keel. I think that's like, I guess the main message is.
0: And if you're listening in, you might be like, what the hell does this have to do with me? You guys are talking about baseball. This has everything to do with yeah. you. Because what you just said, Brett, the game, whether it's sports or business, will tell you if you're doing well or not.
1: Yes. And you have to and be realistic about that. Yes.
0: Yep. And you have to be able to look in the mirror and and figure out if you're not performing to the level what you need to do differently, or you just not, might not be good at it. And yeah. that's okay. Yeah. So you, you get drafted f- uh, fifth round, you say? Yeah. By the Seattle Mariners, right? Yep. yep. And you spent some time in the minor leagues with the Mariners, the Pirates, and the Diamondbacks. What was your minor league experience like?
1: Uh it was, it was good. I mean, it's definitely different, a little bit different than college, but um, once you get used to the how the you know, you finally get an off season, right? Now it's no more school, it's just great. You don't have to worry about that anymore. It's just baseball and working out in the offseason and, and preparing your body. But yeah, the first go around, the first year, there's a lot of unknowns, you know, like. A lot of these guys have been in the system already. My first pro ball experience, you know, I'm in Everett, Washington, like I'm playing first. I, I didn't I didn't know any Latin players at all, like from the Dominican, Venezuela or Puerto Rico. I didn't know Cuban guys. I don't know the, what their culture is about. So you have to learn how to mesh with them a little bit. You know, um, the salty guys that have already been in the system for a while that aren't moving up. You got to, And you're the new guy and you, you're a threat to them, too. You know, so early in my career, I was one of those guys. Right. So. There's a lot of stuff you have to get used to and just be a pro about and even more so because college is really structured, right? You got your coaches on you about getting your classes and making sure your grades are up and and there's only so much you can do. When you're in pro ball, it's way more on you to make sure you're going to succeed, Mm. you know? Because they they don't care and they care, but you have to take care of yourself more than what you were doing in college. Sorry.
0: That's a really good point because... Let's take a, a step back. High school sure. is even more structured in college, right? You go right. to school from 7.45 to 2.30. You go to practice, come home, eat dinner, do your homework, rinse, rinse and repeat. College, little less structure because you don't have as many classes, not as structure, but to your point, the coaching staff, the athletic department, they're all still on your butt to make sure you're doing the right things. Yeah. You get to pro baseball or whatever pro sport, you are now a man or a woman and you're treated as such. There's right. no micromanaging your personal time. So you have to use it wisely. The other interesting thing, Brett, and i love your opinion on this with minor league baseball is you're competing with everybody, right? You're competing with your own teammates to get promoted. Coaches are competing to get promoted. Umpires are competing to get promoted. Did you see that? And did that have any impact on you as far as culture? Because I love what you brought up with culture because in college, it's all rah, rah, we're one team. And in the minor leagues, it's like, I don't want to say it's every man for himself, but it's definitely a different culture, isn't it?
1: It for sure is. And like, for instance, perfect example, I you know, you're you're living with guys that you're competing against. So your roommate might be the guy that gets called up and who's doing well and you might be doing just as well and you don't get the call. And it's like, well, why not me? You know, so there's a lot of we used to call it like, you don't want to play GM, general manager, because you can't make the moves. The organization going to make all the moves. All you can control is what you do on the field. So I, but that's easier said than done. Trust me. And like, I, you know, there's guys that, like I've heard people, like if someone got hurt, it's like, well, that's one less guy I got to go against. You know, that's one less guy I got to deal with. It sucks. It's, but, and you mentioned coaches trying to move up too, and they're, they need the wins or development, right? But the minors is all about developing players. They don't really care if you win. It's nice. Yeah, it's cool. We won, but everyone's out for themselves because you want to move up. And the only way to move up is by outperforming everybody else that's in your, you know, little core group there. So it's definitely a weird dynamic. It's like you're rooting for guys, but at the same time, it's like, I want to be the guy that gets called up. You know, it becomes a selfish game once you get up there. And then once you get to the big leagues, from what I hear, then it's more about, all right, we're all getting paid. Now it's about the team again. It's a very strange mindset.
0: Yeah. It's an interesting journey. If, if you haven't played pro sports, it's hard to, to align with or, or connect with, but yeah, it's, you definitely realize it's a business, right? At that point that, yeah. you know, I signed as a free agent, I wasn't a high draft pick. So that guy who went in the fourth, fifth round, he's gonna get nine chances to my one. (laughs) Yeah, And and so uh, you have to really use your time wisely. And like you said, uh, every, every man is trying, every guy in that field is trying to get promoted. And so when it's your chance, you have to take advantage of it. So you spent about seven 8 years in the minor leagues, right? Yeah. And it also included time with the Pirates and the Diamondbacks and I think was it was with Arizona in the 2012-2013 where you got you were in AAA, right? You got one yeah. step to to uh to the major leagues. What was that like knowing you're one step one phone call away from the call up?
1: I think once I got moved up from once that when you're in double a you actually you feel like you're closer like you feel like you're you get you have a shot now because then you're in the lower levels of the minor leagues you're just like well there's so many people in front of me I, I it's like that's a big hill to climb but yeah. when you get to double a now you're in the mix so once I got to triple a I was like wow and I, I started off really hot there too in triple a I was like I might might get a call here we'll see um but obviously i never did but you, you it like i had and i had the one big league spring training big league camp in 2012 that felt the closest i've been and now i'm getting big league hitters out in spring training i'm like okay what else do i need to do well there's other guys that have, they're not going to put a guy making a million bucks in in the minors like they're just you know there's contracts there's the whole business side but um, because i had actually gotten i know we're skipping ahead a little bit but i had gotten traded a, a couple times in my career so i had already felt you know that moving around and I wasn't bitter about it. I was like, all right, just like transferring in college, I took the mindset of it's another opportunity for me. I'm not gonna, it's part of the business, whatever. So I think it prepared me to get to that top level, but yeah, being so close and not getting called up, it was, it was hard, you know, and you know, the following year after AAA, I get released. And it's just like, I pitched I had a great year last year. Why am I getting let go? Well, you got, you know, once you're on your third team, you're just a number at that point, unless you're, you know, outperforming the league, like.
0: Yeah. Well, in it, so. for, for the baseball geeks listening in, you were a part of, I think, a couple of trades, right? You were yeah. traded to Pittsburgh and then traded to Arizona. Were there got, any super was, well-known players that were part of that trade that you were a part uh, of?
1: The first trade. So when I got traded from Seattle to Pittsburgh, it was, I, if you remember, if you're a baseball person, uh, Jack Wilson, the shortstop for for yep. Pittsburgh, okay. and Ian, okay. Ian Snell, the pitcher um other than that just it was like five minor leaguers for two big leaguers it was one of those deals um yeah but i actually got rule five to arizona Mm. which was kind of that was actually to go back to your question that was the first time i was like wait a second i'm going i was in high a with pittsburgh and in my opinion they were hiding me and didn't want me to get picked in the rule five because they didn't put me on their 40-man roster so i was eligible after my fourth minor league year to get rule five which means then another team can claim you and they got to put you on their 40-man So going from a high A to big league camp the following year, it's a big jump. And that was like, now I really, to to answer your question, I started to believe like, man, I got a shot here. So that was the biggest jump.
0: Yeah, and I I had Scott Harrison on the podcast, and that's something we talked about. That jump from AAA to to the majors is so big. Um, It's like in college football, or in football, every year you hear the, the worst NFL team. You know, the Jets this year, what, 0-8, 0-9? Oh, Alabama could beat the Jets. No, they couldn't. The level of talent between the best college team and the worst team at the NFL level is so big, and the same is true with, I'd say, for a lot of people in AAA and major leagues. That jump is huge. Guys, rake in AAA, and then they never quite can get it at the major league level, and it's because it is a big jump. So... Well, let's go here, Brett. Uh, unfortunately, your sports career couldn't last forever. What Was there a moment in the minors, now you're with Arizona, spending a few years, you've, you actually spent a year of independent ball with the Long Island Ducks as well. Yeah. When did you realize, like, it's time, I hate to say you use the cliche phrase, it's time to hang up the cleats and move on to chapter two?
1: Sure. Um, I, 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 you never think you're going to play independent ball until you actually do. Right. That was the last chance effort. A lot of guys will tell you that. And then they end up there and you're like, well, this is my last shot to maybe get signed back to pro ball. Um, I had a great year on Long Island, honestly. Like, my numbers are great, and I just never got a, a shot to go back to the minors. And I wasn't – in my brain before that that season in independent ball, I was not going to be a baseball lifer. If I didn't get picked up this year, I was good walking away. Like, that was enough for me. I didn't need to just keep playing independent ball for another five years just for fun. Like, the game's not that fun, you know what I mean? And you're making peanuts, too. So, after that season, I was just like – I what am I going to do? You know, that kind of thing. But I didn't spend that much time uh, off. I, a lot of guys struggle with the transition, but I kind of had the entrepreneurial spirit. I just decided, and you know, in the Midwest, because it's, it's, it's a Midwest brand, but I decided to become a franchisee of Jimmy John's. So totally random. I wanted to start my own business. There you go. It's from yeah, Champaign, Illinois is where the headquarters is. So um, I had had it a lot in the minor leagues throughout my career, you know, we would get it delivered in the cities that were close delivered to the clubhouse like it was awesome. I was like, wait, they're the only one that deserves deliver sandwiches. It's cool. So long story short, my cousin and I were like, let's do it out here in California. We heard it was coming out here. So we thought it would be a huge hit, blah, blah, blah. So no, it was a and I can go into it if you want to how the whole Yeah, we're gonna was, we're gonna but, go there okay. in a
0: second. But I have a, I have a couple final sure. questions for you on the baseball career. Sure. So. You had a good season in Long Island, thought you were gonna maybe get a chance to get back in the the the, the MLB, the minor league baseball. Yeah. That brings back a memory for me because I remember when I was released by the Brewers, my career was a lot shorter than yours. But when they release you and they're, te- they're telling you they're letting you go, right? They put this list of every independent team out there basically and they say, hey, you tell us which team, we'll make a call. And if there's one thing I regret in my career, it's in that moment I wish I would have paused and said, yeah, I'll go spend a summer or two playing indie ball. I was still in my early 20s, but I went. No, I'm good. I got my degree. I'm going to move on. If there's one thing to take back, I maybe would have spent some time playing a, a year or two in independent ball. And, and who knows, right? Who knows where that shot would have come sure. after that? So, but Not so, that it was re-
1: fun. Yeah, I was. You know, it was a good experience. It, it actually, a lot of guys will tell you they they got the joy of the game back because then it's back to the team because those independent teams want to win too. So I think. It was a little refreshing. It was fun to be around the guys. Everybody, once you get past the point of like, well, I'm just not, it's not happening this year, but everybody kind of enjoys each other. It was a lot less That's stressful, a cool. lot less structure. So independent ball was fun, but I knew it was, done, I was done. after. Yeah.
0: That. So last question on the baseball side, you started playing as a young kid, had the chance. You literally got one step away from major league baseball. One call. Yeah. If you had to narrow that down for, for athletes, for parents of athletes listening in, what, what? what two or three things do you think allowed you to get to that level when it comes to mindset when it comes to skill I mean what was it that you think allowed you to take it all the way to that level
1: I think yeah obviously talent is something you know like not everybody has it right so obviously I was tall I was athletic for my size I had a good arm like you got to have some intangibles there but also learning how to pitch and having a mindset and being super competitive too you have to you can't make it that far in in professional sports without having a very competitive mindset like you have to want to beat the other guy or girl whoever you're going against you you have to have that in you that like fire like you can't you can't possibly do that well without having a little bit of fire in you so when you get on the field, you know, even if you're a good guy off the field, you gotta have a little bit of that edge when you get out there, um, but like a, a healthy competitive edge, obviously not like, you know, a crazy person, but um, <laughs> you got, mindset's huge. Um, and just making good decisions, honestly. Like I'm big on being smart off the field too. Like you just got, you can't let the outside factors like steer you away from your goals. So if your goal is to be a professional athlete or is your goal to be whatever you want, you can't let outside factors stop you from doing that. And you can't blame other people if you're not going well. It's all on you. So you have to make sure you put yourself in a position to succeed. And obviously, I had support of my parents. And, you know, you have to have some nice factors around you. But at the end of the day, you have to really want to do it.
0: Yeah. And I asked you that question because so much of that applies to business, right? You could be a nice guy, be a nice woman off the field, but have that killer instinct when it's go time. And, and like you said, take 100% responsibility for for your results and, and what you're doing to bring that effort to the sports or your career if that yeah. doesn't involve sports. So, let's go into the post-baseball post career. Post baseball career. Now, you, you and your cousin are running a Jimmy John's franchise. I pumped my fist because <laughs> for one winter break in college, I was a Jimmy John's delivery guy. Oh, okay. So, you know it. Uh, uh, I know this well and by the way if my roommates from college are listening in you gave me the worst tip I had ever received. <laughs> I got the sh- I got the sandwich to you in less than 5 minutes and I believe you guys left me a 17 cent tip. So, wow, with that's that being terrible. said. <laughs> with that being said, Brett, though, here you are now running a bunch of franchises. You're now in this phase two chapter 2 of your life. What would you say two questions. Number 1, was that transition difficult from baseball kind of defining your life for several years? And then number two what lessons did you apply from baseball to the franchise business
1: i would say it the difficult part it was the toughest thing i've ever done honestly running a franchise is the toughest thing i've ever done because we were owner operators right We're, we're in there almost every day you know and I'm getting to the store at 5am to get the bread going and the veggies going and you're slicing meats and like getting the store ready and there's so many rules you got to follow and look we bought into it because we like the structure and we like the business plan and that's what you're supposed to do with the franchise, you follow the business model. The hard part is you can't deviate from that business model, right? So you can't, we could not never own social media, we couldn't choose our store hours, we had to get those approved. In a lunchtime business in California, you got to make all your money between 11 and 3. Like Nobody's buying cold sandwiches for dinner out there, especially in a a suburb shopping center. So, and I can go into all that stuff too, but the the side of the business, but what you're asking about is, is the transition. It was hard because I, I tell people this, I spent, you know, my college and pro ball years not building a resume for real life. Like I'm spending years perfecting a craft. And then once it's over, what does that get you? You know, it can get you in the door if people are sports fans or they like to have athletes. You know, I went I'm now in sales, but like it can only get you so far. And I'm not building a, a resume of jobs that will get me prepared for a real job when i you turn 28, 30 years old. So the kids that are that age are years ahead of me. So in that regard, yeah, it, it was definitely hard. You know, a lot of guys struggle with that. And because I went into franchising so quickly, I didn't have that downturn where I was just like going to let other things affect me or going to sometimes even the depression. Like that's it's hard. You know, when you should spend your whole life like you were saying, doing something, it does define you for a while. But you have to always have that back of the mind: what can I do possibly after this? So we chose to go into franchising. It was really, really hard. Did it for three years, and um, it was a great experience though. So. Um, what was your other question? What, what about lessons, what I, yeah,
0: yes. what lessons would you say as a pro athlete or just collegiate athlete, you know, anybody who might be listening, what lessons did you take from baseball that you applied to the business?
1: I think because baseball is a game of failure, you have to handle failure. You have to deal with adversity, right? I had injuries, I had a hip surgery during my career. How do you handle your rehab? Like, I think baseball taught you to, to deal with adversity well because you fail. A decent amount. And also dealing with people, right? I'm I'm meeting people from all over the country, all over the world. And you have to mesh with them on a team and you have to be able to communicate with them somehow, find out what they like and don't like. Or like for me, a lot of my catchers were not American. So I'm learning with these the Latin catchers, like you can't just put fastball down every time. You know what I mean? Like I gotta, <laughs> I gotta mix it up here. No, learn learn my skill set. I need to learn what you like as well. Or where do you want these pitches, right? So you have to learn to, to work with people. And I think you learn to, you're also, you know, a lot of athletes can become great leaders just because you have to deal with so much. And I think it all culminated into the, the structure and the way I like to run business too. So um, I, I'm a pretty detailed oriented person. So I took that into my business too. The way I attacked hitters, the way I attacked, you know, doing little things in the, in the shop, like all that stuff. So it's a mindset in the grind, right? Back to your minor league grind, you know, you're, it's 142 games. You know, you get to August at the end of the year. Everybody is sick of each other. You know, no one's gotten moved up yet. If you're still there, it's a grind, and that's exactly what Jimmy John was—a freaking grind.
0: <laughs> well, and I think you, I think you, you bring up great points. I heard you say, you know, especially with pitchers, communication, right? Running yeah. a business, it's about communication. Yeah, it's about enjoying failure. The best hitters in baseball fail 7 times out of 10. It's right. enjoying failure. Right. And to your point, it's enjoying the grind, the game, right? I look at every day as the chance to get up and play the game again. And what you said too about minor leagues, right? 142 days games. What people don't realize, you can count the numbers uh, the number of days off on one hand. And this is yeah. including Saturday and Sundays. Right. And um I think it's taken that mentality of every day is go is I have to show up at 100%. There are no some people, aren't, here.
1: Yeah, some people aren't built for that, honestly. And you really find out, you know, and you have to, and I'm building a, a team more or less of employees that are 18 to 22 year old kids. Some of them yeah. are in, late in high school or in college. This job is not their first priority. You know, you have to get everyone to buy into what you're you're doing and you have to work hard so they see you because you're the leader. So, you know, there's a lot of things you have to do to run a business. And I learned a lot about that too.
0: Yeah, great 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 advice you just gave in the last 5 minutes for entrepreneurship. Yeah. Love failure, communicate if you're if you're going to build a team be a hell of a communicator and just and, learn to love I hate I hate the word grind because I think it's cliché but sure. learn learn to love showing up every day. There's there's I'll, really no days off.
1: I'll give you a, a good one that I learned from a sports psychologist. He used this term I think it's from the army is embrace the suck. I don't know if you've heard of that before. <laughs> But you really have to embrace the t- the hard parts and fall in love with the process. There's another cliche one for you. You got to yeah. love the process of getting better. And, and yeah, some people are not yeah. built for it, really. And um, the other one I'd say yeah. is you got to, if you're going to start a business, you got to believe in what you're doing. Because if you can't get up and yeah. believe in what you're selling, you, you will, you'll never give the same amount of energy that you need. You have to believe. And, in and, you're and
0: whoever you're selling to will sniff it out.
1: Yeah, for sure. If yeah. you need to, they need so, to see the passion in there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, you you no longer have the franchise. You're now a consultant with uh, Sunrun, which is more in the solar industry. Just tell us quickly a little bit about what you're doing today, Brett.
1: Sure. I do. Um, actually, so I was doing, uh, so the reason I started the podcast is because I actually got laid off from my first solar job. But now I'm doing, I'm working with Sunrun as also, and I'm also doing commercial solar too so it just kind of came up after we sold the business we didn't take a loss which is good we had a second location that we had the rights to for jimmy john so we sold the existing one and the second one the rights the second one packaged them together got out um but yeah like i said great learning experience um but i've been in solar for about three years now it's you know again it makes sense for most people i believe in it there's a lot of especially in california there's a lot of days of sunshine electric bills are really high here because the cost of power is so high so all those reasons, it's a great it's a great thing to do. It's good for the environment, all that stuff. Um, but yeah, the sales side is the same thing. Dude, outside sales is freaking hard too. You know, like you got a, a lot of rejection, a lot of failure, a lot of no. So how do you you know, handle that? But, um, and I'm not the pushy sales guy either. I'm just here, I'm gonna present you with some information. You can trust me, I'm a good guy, I'm gonna take care of you. This makes a lot of sense, right? It's, I, I try to do a lot of factual selling versus, you know, yep. pushy selling. So. Um, but yeah, it, it's good. It's, it's what I, I enjoy it, but, um, I enjoy, I really enjoy podcasting too, if I can make that. Well, we'll, we'll talk about that <laughs> here quickly, but I yeah. want to say,
0: you know, I, I truly believe your sales career started back when you were sending video out in high school, right? Because when you send out video of playing tape to try to get attention of the colleges, guess what? You're going to get a lot of no's or people who just flat out ignore you Right. and, and you just can't, you can't stop. You got to keep going. So let's quickly talk about the two tall sports podcast. I love the name, obviously makes sense with your your height right. But what yeah what what, what are you what's uh, what's your aim? what's your goal with the podcast? who are you looking to have on? What are you trying to accomplish?
1: Sure. you know during my career, you know we get interviewed sometimes and I some guys hate talking to the media. some guys hate talking to the microphone. I enjoy it. I never hated being interviewed. I liked it, man. and I think what's great about um, I know we were talking pre-show about this, but I, I forgot to mention to you. I enjoy letting athletes tell their story, right? A lot of the times yes. the media or people will, will tell the story. No, this is from the horse's mouth. This is how my career went as I saw it. This is how I felt when I got traded or when I got released. I want those raw feelings of this is how it really was, you know? And I'm going to tell you straight up what it was like. Um, and also just like we were talking about earlier, the, the, the mystery of the minor leagues. There's a lot of things that people don't see. You don't see the guys till really they get up to the big leagues, you know, or what the, the grind or the you know the politics behind baseball is really like so I want to shed light on that story those stories and you know bring former athletes on any sport really coaches I love the mindset stuff like you the sports psychologist I love that stuff too because that really separates once everybody's good who really makes it to the top so
0: absolutely yeah. I couldn't agree more so let's wrap it up here Brett yeah. now that you've uh, you've had a chance to play baseball at the highest level um, you've you've had experience as an entrepreneur running a franchise, you're now in sales. You know, for those athletes out there, we all know that the 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 end of that chapter is coming someday. You know, I think one thing even for the, the guys and gals who play at the highest level, professional baseball, MLB, uh, WNBA, whatever it is, when their career is over, they're still only like 30, 32 years old, maybe even younger. And they've got the rest of their life in front of them. What advice would you give to an athlete in that position who's transitioning, whether it's college and it's over, pro sports and that's now over and now they're trying to find that next phase or chapter in life. What advice would you give them right now?
1: I would say, especially even with COVID, there's a lot of people have hopefully had time to take a step back and figure out what they're passionate about or what they enjoy doing. And its I know that some people say like, it's hard to make money if in your passion. It sometimes is, you know, but find an industry that will get you out of bed every day. Like find an industry that is fun or it's something you enjoy, it's something you'd want to work on. Um, I think yeah, that's the start with that first. Um, Maybe find multiple things, multiple streams of income. I'm I'm big on that too or or multiple ways of satisfying your brain if you will. Like just try to figure out things you're passionate about you know even if you want to stay in sports. Maybe it's marketing on sports. side. Maybe it's analytics if you're into that stuff you can maybe find jobs within sports, but find a way to get your fix, but also be successful as well. So I, you know, I'd say find what you're passionate about and it's never too late, right? Especially with kids in their twenties. I would try a bunch of different things. You had, as you know, you got plenty of time, like, you know, I'm 33 and still trying to figure it out. You never have all the answers, but try to find something and try different things and see what you like.
0: Yeah. No, I, I turned 43 here in a few days and I'll tell you, I still feel young too. So, yeah. well, Brett, I really appreciate this. Um, this was very, very helpful. I think the, the purpose of this podcast is to really make an impact on young athletes, especially we all know that the, 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 the day is going to come where that sport no longer is them and they have to move on. And so I think your story of what it was like elevating yourself all the way to one step. One step shy of the ultimate yeah. prize, and then what you've done to move on from there to have success in business. So, Brett, if somebody wanted to reach out to you, uh, what would be the easiest way to do that?
1: Yeah, and definitely any of your listeners, like any athletes or former, whoever. If if you guys want to reach out to me, please do. I'm on LinkedIn. You can just look me up, Brett Lauren. Um, you can find me on uh, Instagram at Two Tall Sports Podcast. On Twitter, it's Two Tall Sports. Um, but yeah, please reach out if anybody wants advice or, you know, needs, you know, any kind of motivation or whatever or you want to just, just, you know, uh, bounce ideas off of me. I'll, I'll make myself available to any of your listeners.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. And I'll put all that in the show notes. Uh, I do want to give a shameless plug. I, I met a guy the other day from a company called Dunk Mama that's, that provides, um, a recruiting platform for pro former pro athletes or former nice. athletes. I think it's such a great idea because mm. they struggle, right? We just talked yeah. about the transition, and they are a recruiting platform pairing athletes with employers. And I think mm. it's it's a cool thing because it's so needed right now because a lot of those those athletes struggle to go on to the next phase. And what suits me? What is it I want to do? So, uh, Brett, this was awesome. I really appreciate your time. For those listening in, uh, whether you are an athlete, a parent of an athlete, the reason I bring these guys like Brett on is. That sport is never go, is not always going to be who you are. It's not going to define your child's life. And there has to be a next phase. And it comes down to one thing, whether it's excelling on the field or off the field in business and sports, uh, it's about mindset. So Brett, I really appreciate your time. Uh, for the, everybody else listening in, remember when clarity and confidence collide, you know what happened, action happens. Go make it happen today. Shift your mindset. Hey, I just want to say thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode. If you're finding bullpen sessions to be valuable to your business and your life, do me a favor. Please go to Apple. Please subscribe. Give it a five-star rating. And if you have anybody else in your life, whether it's in your personal tribe or in your business that could also be impacted by listening to these episodes, do me a favor. Share the bullpen sessions with them. I'd be extremely grateful. And until next time, go out, make it happen today. Put a smile on your face and have some fun.